0: Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. We hide things away inside of us, and, and sometimes they're there for a long time before we think about them again. And I had one of those moments at the end of service this morning. We were um, worshiping and worshiping, and um, you know, people were getting touched. People were laying on the floor up here, and there was joy. People were laughing, and... And, um, um, you know, in a moment, I I was taken back to a service that we had way back in 1994. I just had a, a quick, like a glimpse, a feeling, a sensation, a reminder of something that happened in that particular meeting. An impression from the Lord. And it was simple. The Lord put an impression in my heart and said, this, what you're feeling right now, is the rapture anointing. He says, this is, this is Enoch. This is Enoch's mantle that you're feeling. And I thought, you know, I, thought, I was thought about the ramifications of that. Well, why, Lord, if this is, we're not going up. I, you know, I don't, I, I didn't go up this morning. What, what did you mean by that? Well, he said, it's, it's my mercy. It's falling right now. It's preparing, preparing my sons and daughters for the other side. Cause, they're not quite ready yet, and um, so I thought, you know, I was thinking, about, I was thinking about that, and he was, he was doing a, he was doing an internal work. It's like, a, you know, it's like a, a, an operation that's taking place on his sons and daughters. People coming in, and they're, 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 they're coming out of miserable. You know, many of us came out of miserable backgrounds. Miserable circumstances, miserable lives. And for some, you know, this is the first taste of anything resembling life that we've ever had, ever, ever, ever. And it's, it's a moment in His presence where He begins to prepare His, his sons and His daughters for heaven. You know, and, and it talks about, one of the places in Revelations, it talks about how um, that the, the leaves on the trees on the banks of the river are for the healing of the nations. So there's healing taking place. Healing, preparation, healing. It's like we're, we're getting ready. He's, he's, he's fixing up the broken parts and pieces of his bride. It's kind of, kind of sort of like, you know, the, the, the parable of the, the, the ten virgins and the being prepared and being ready. Being ready for the coming of the Lord. So I, I was I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about um, you know the really you know all of all of that. It's uh, Palm Sunday. It's making me think of the of the coming of Christ. That was actually a picture. That was the coming of Christ, Palm Sunday. Who was that on the on the donkey? Who was coming on a white horse? Who was that on the donkey? He was coming. He was coming to. to he was coming in different than the way they expected. That's why they missed it. But it was really a picture of of several things. You know, I thought about his his ancestor. Remember what his ancestor? There was a, a similar scene one day, many, many years before Christ came. I think it was like 14 generations before Christ came. When David brought the ark into Jerusalem. Well, Jesus is that ark. He is the Ark of the Covenant. He is the fulfillment. David was bringing in a type and a shadow. Christ ushered in the real. And, you know, that's, that's what we're celebrating now. We're not part of Old Testament symbolism and types and shadows. We've stepped in, out of the shadows into the brightness of the glory of the shining day of the Lord. Christ has come the first time. He's coming again. And He's preparing His church. Right now. And um, one of the things that he's doing, this is where we're going tonight. He's, he's preparing us. He's preparing worshipers. Because that will be our chief occupation. Not long from now. Not long from now. You know, last night someone posted, some. there was a, um, this, this old couple on, this is the strangest video, my, you know, on the on, on internet. There's this old, old lady with one of those old Pentecostal buns and her old, old husband. They had to be in their 90s or 80s or 90s or something. And and you could see that these were, these were true Pentecostals. And he was playing his guitar and she was singing songs about heaven and worshiping God. And she kept getting all fired up and she kept saying, and just when I thought it was over, it starts up all over again, she said. I thought, this is, sounds like heaven, sounds like, sounds like heaven to me. So anyway, we're gonna look at Mark chapter 11, another, Mark's glimpse of the, of the Palm Sunday, the coming of Christ. So we're, in our mind, we're seeing pictures now. We're seeing pictures of the triumphal entry with Jesus, with his entourage of misfits who had been changed by His mighty power. He's on a donkey. He's reeking of the heavenly perfume that Mary had poured on Him. We see another picture of David dancing with all his might generations before. And he was with the Ark of the Covenant and had take a few steps and slaughter a few more animals, dance with all his might, and worship God and dance with all his might as he brought the Ark in from Uriah's house. And then we see this the coming next picture that we're going to see, the next image, the return of Christ himself on his white horse. Those are the images in our minds. We read this tonight. When they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage, Mark 11, verse 1, and, and Bethany, and to the Mount of Olives, that's where Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you've entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it there. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the outside of the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, why are you doing, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before him and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest! And Jesus went into the temple and looked around. And when He had looked around at all things, as the hour was there, was already late. He went back to Bethany with the twelve. Now this, um, the other thing that I want to, to impress upon you tonight is how are we being prepared? We're being prepared by His anointing. And we're being prepared... As worshipers, that's who we are. We are called to magnify His name with our worship and with our praise. That's who we are, to magnify Him. So I want to, you know, I'm going to start tonight. I'm going I'm to reread the blog I ended with this morning because the reason why is because I really liked it and, and I wanted to read it again. And it starts with uh, Hosanna, those... Then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now listen carefully. If you didn't get it this morning or maybe you weren't here, listen carefully to this. What exactly were the crowds shouting about that fateful day? They thought they were shouting one thing, but they were actually crying for something else. That, that, day, that day Jesus entered into Jerusalem for the last time. Was it praises they were shouting? Or was there something else at the root of their crying? Actually, Hosanna was a Hebrew word which means save now. They were crying out for a Messiah and for salvation. But they had a different kind of salvation in mind. All they could think of was natural. They were, their, their minds were natural. They couldn't think of anything spiritual. They had not been born again. Their minds were still... Just jammed with natural thoughts. And you know, that's, that's the way it is until you're, until you're touched by God, until you're, you're safe. You can't see the forest for the trees. You can't see reality because your brain is filled with monsters. So, they were crying out for a Messiah for salvation, but they had a different kind of salvation in mind. They, they couldn't see the right way. All they could think about was their current situation. All they could think about was their current situation. My sewer pipe broke. My water, I can't drink it. My dog has fleas. I can't pay my bills. What am I going to do? COVID, COVID, COVID. What am I going to do? All they could think about was their current situation. They were crying for some sort of political, social, or economic salvation. They wanted a king to replace the Romans. Get this guy out of here! But maybe, just maybe, their hearts were crying for something else. They just didn't quite know what it was. And it reminds me of the cry of the young people last year in 2020 as the streets of America filled up with the youth crying out for some kind of social salvation. They're crying for something. They just didn't know what to ask for. I wonder if God is reshaping these prayers like He did on that first Palm Sunday. Maybe He hears Save Now and He translates it into a cry for spiritual intervention. Think about it. The cry of the crowd went from save now to crucify him." The Lord interpreted the prayer and sent the outpouring of the Spirit on all mankind. He interpreted their prayer in a different words. Is it possible that the cries of our current generation are being shaped into a prayer by God Himself? We really don't know how to pray as we ought, so the Spirit steps in and begins to pray for us and pray through us. That is one of the great ministries of the Spirit. He interprets prayers. I want you to say that with me. He interprets prayers. He interprets my prayers. In other words, I think I know what to pray, but I don't. Now, no matter how much I think I know, I don't. No how, how matter how trained I am and how educated I am, and how talented tell it I am. I think I know what to pray, but I don't. So he interprets my prayers. I pray this, but he prays that. Maybe that's what happened last year. Maybe our misguided cries for a political salvation was translated into a cry for God's salvation to visit our lands. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So could it be that the cries for systemic change to our American culture were heard and translated by the Lord into let us worship? That's what I think he was, that's what I think God was saying. He was saying, well, what what they really want, they don't know. What they really need is to be transformed into worshipers. That's what he's after. That's what happened to me in the 1960s. I was crying with the masses for a revolution. I just had no idea what it would look like. When it came, it looked a whole lot like Jesus. So, what is this describing? It's describing right now an unexpected groan, an unexpected cry from His people who thought they were praying one way. An unexpected cry for a generation that doesn't know the Lord's. There's intercession coming out in our midst as we pray, as we call, as we as we grapple for reality and for the reality of God. And we begin to lift our voice and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. There's an intercession, a groaning coming out. A groaning of creation. A groaning of what's next, what's next, what's next. A groaning of joyful anticipation for a move of the Holy Spirit unprecedented for this generation.
1: They don't know how to pray
0: for that because they don't know what it is or what it looks like. None of us do. None of us do. So yeah, so then this takes me to this next blog that I had. You know, he's so he's changing us. He wants to purify. Everyone say purify. purify. He wants to purify your words. He wants to purify your your language. I'm talking about more than just praying in tongues. Yeah. He wants to purify your language. that, that, that Like it says in Zechariah 3.9, For then will I turn to the people. I will turn to the people a pure language that they may all call upon me and call upon the name of the Lord to serve Him with one consent. Zechariah 3.9 One of the things that radically changes in our conversion is our language. At least it should. You use different adjectives. We are given a pure language that flows out of a a new heart. Jesus said it in His teaching, Out of the abundance of a a man's heart He speaks. Our words are just a portal to what is living inside of our hearts. If that is true, our world is in a deeply troubling place today. I recently overheard the conversation of a group of construction workers on their job sites. Not a good idea to to, to, to eavesdrop on this. The interesting thing about this situation is that these workers were both male and female that didn't seem to temper their conversation. There there was no anger involved, but their words were laced with F-bombs and other colorful adjectives. Apparently, this was their everyday conversation. Our conversation changes at our conversion because our heart changes. Rather than our words being laced with F-bombs, they are saturated with God's new songs. Now here's Jonathan Edwards at the beginning of the American, the Great Awakening, American Great Awakening. Indeed, the saints, while here in this world, they are but learners of the heavenly language. And therefore, speak it, but imperfectly. We're being changed. Our voices are being changed. Our words are being changed and shaped. And, and right now, we're, we're not in perfection yet, but one day we will be when we step into the other side. But now he's, he's working on our words and he's purifying our words and our language into perfect praise. Yes, Yes, he says, so he goes on to say, and therefore speak it but imperfectly with a stammering tongue, with a pronunciation that in many, many it savors of their old language. The tongues of the saints are renewed in their conversion. Thus the conversion of the Gentiles is represented by their having a new language given to them. Like Zephaniah said, for then I will turn to the people a pure language that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. And as it is said of the new song, which the saints sing, that no man should learn that song, but those that are redeemed from the earth. No man can learn that language, but those that are of his holy nation. So if you really want to learn about someone, listen to their words. If you really want to learn about someone, especially listen to the songs that they're singing we have been changed and are no longer singing the songs of the world. We've been given a new song to sing that only the redeemed can sing. Hallelujah. So, that takes us to this unexpected worshiper in the Gospel of John. The least likely worshiper of all. You know, the Lord doesn't... He's He's no respecter of persons. And he'll use anyone. He really will. He'll choose the most unlikely candidates to lead a worship revival. He'll, he'll, he'll choose the most least likely candidates to be used in any, in any capacity. He just does what he jolly well pleases and he chooses whomsoever will. That's just what, the way he is. And that's what happened. The disciples were blown away. They could not believe their eyes when they came back from Samaria, from getting food in Samaria. They couldn't believe their eyes. What is Jesus doing? He's talking to a Samaritan. You can't talk to Samaritans. We're Jewish after all. They're the wrong kind of people. They eat the wrong kind of food. He's not only talking to a Samaritan, he's, water, he's talking to a, a woman of questionable morals. What is he doing? But he wasn't finished shocking their minds. Because he, 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 had, he had already told this woman, if you knew who I was, If you knew who I was, and if you knew the gift of God, he said to her, you would ask me, and I would give to you living water. I would change your life. You're drinking from some filthy, polluted stream. That's all you've ever known. It's the only drink you've ever had. You've been drinking the filth of this world all your life. But I'm going to give you a drink, like no drink that you ever had, and it's going to purify and cleanse every part of you. You won't be filthy anymore. And he says, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This is the fountain of worship. Worship. This is the fountain that satisfies us forever and ever. This is the fountain of purification. This is the fountain of preparation. This is the fountain of transformation. This is where we drink. And we drink forevermore. So, yeah, so he goes on, and this um he had a, a, a talk with this woman. In John four twenty one, it says, Woman, believe me, a new day is coming. When we'll neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem we'll, will we worship the Father. There's a new day about to break on the earth. There's a new day of worship. Oh, we're, we're in the edge of it now. But there's a new day of worship about to break onto this earth. It's going to change everything. He says, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvations of the Jews. Here it is. But the hour is coming. And now is. When true worshipers. That is what he's looking for. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now that brings me to this last devotion that I wanted to share tonight before we have prayer time. This is called Worshippers. And that's, that's all He's looking for. He's not looking for anything else. Jesus has an absolute one-track mind. All he's after. He doesn't have but one, There's only one agenda. That's to make you into one of his worshipers. That's all he has in mind. And he, he, so, so we just read John 4, 23 and 24. So he goes, he goes on. I find this passage. This is just an observation for me. I find this passage about this woman and about God seeking worshipers. I find this passage... A little embarrassing for me. Thinking about this with, think about this with me for a moment. God is actually seeking worshipers? He's seeking worshipers? Well, you think of His greatness, His infinite nature, His omnipotence, and He actually has to search for someone to worship Him? People worship football players, rappers, rock musicians, and movie stars, but God is seeking worshipers. Something's not quite right about that. I guess the part that causes all of this to make some sort of sense is the part where Jesus says, God is the spirit. They that worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. That explains everything. Only spiritual people who've been born in the Spirit have the insight and the capacity. Only those who've been born again have the insight or even the capacity, the ability to worship God. Because you can't worship what you don't know, what you haven't tasted for yourself. The rest of the world... The rest of the world lives in the world of the flesh, and they can only worship carnal people. Fleshly people don't know the things of the spirits, they can't know the things of the spirits, and they worship carnal things and carnal people. Here's Matthew Henry, what he says about this. The father seeks worshipers. This intimates that such worshipers are very rare and seldom met with. The gate of spiritual worshiping is straight, it's short, it's small. That such worship is necessary and what the God of heaven insists upon. When God comes to inquire for worshipers, the question will not be who worshiped in Jerusalem, but who worshiped in spirits. That will be the touchstone. That God is greatly well pleased with and graciously accepts such worship and such worshipers. I have desired it, he says. That there has been and will be to the end a remnant of such worshipers. His, he is, his seeking such workers implies he's making them such. The fact that he's seeking them implies that he's gonna make them into worshipers. Maybe you're not a worshiper yet, that's why you're here. He wants to make you one. That happens with divine encounters. That's what I was observing this morning as I was talking about people being prepared for the other side because the other side is going to be all worship. And we're being prepared for that. It's a, it'd be a shock for you to step on the other side without some preparation. He's seeking worshipers. He's making, it implies He's making them such. God is in all ages gathering into himself a generation of spiritual worshipers. He's come from generation to generation, from age to age, seeking after those who will follow him and worship him in spirit and in truth. So that explains it. Spiritual worshipers are rare. They are created by the work of the Holy Spirit. The woman in this story would be the least likely candidate in the New Testament world to be a worshiper. But that's what she became. That was why Jesus came to Samaria. He was looking for the least likely candidates to join his band of worshipers. Today, he's still at it. He's looking for worshipers to worship him by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all he's doing. And he he goes to unusual places. He goes to unusual, unusual ability. He t- he takes everything to the extreme, 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 extreme in his search, in his his longing to find someone. He he will stretch things to the very limits. You know that's what he's. When he's, it's almost like a, uh, we're in like a holding pattern right now. Waiting. We're like in a holding pattern. Waiting. He's patiently waiting. Waiting for the next kingdom visitation. Waiting. Waiting for the return of Christ. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.